0: Welcome to episode number 10 of How to Rocket Your Private Investigations Business. I'm your host, John A. Hoda, and today's date is September twenty second, 2020. Our guest this week is Hal Humphreys. Hal is the executive editor of Pursuit Magazine and the founder and lead investigator of Find Investigations, a PI agency in Nashville, Tennessee. When he's not interviewing witnesses or surveilling the unwitting, He's also a teacher, writer, radio producer, hiker, and fly fisherman. It is my pleasure to bring on to the uh, podcast, Hal Humphreys. Welcome to my new podcast, How to Rocket Your PI Business, and it features successful private investigators who offer insights into their careers and advice to those just starting out or to those who are struggling. We will learn from the best. And of course, we cannot finish a show without asking them to share their favorite detective stories and maybe a few sage marketing tips. As a working investigator, coach, and writer, I hope to bring you inspiration, information, and entertainment in the areas that interest me most. Gather round my campfire as I invite you to listen in. This episode is brought to you by my recently published books for private investigators. How to Launch Your Private Investigation Business, How to Market Your Private Investigation Business, and How to Boost Your Private Investigation Business. It also appears as a three-book set in How to Rocket Your Private Investigation Business, the complete series. All can be found at your favorite online retailers in ebook book or softcover. Did you know that I also coach private investigators how to survive and thrive in business? Visit my website at www.thepicoach, or one word, .com. That is thepicoach.com to learn more. Five, four, three, two, one. Hi, Hal. Welcome to the show. Hi, John. How are you doing today? Fantastic. Thank you. And how are things in the great state, the volunteer state of Tennessee?
1: You know things are hot and sticky down here as they always are this time of July and mm-hmm. August.
0: Yes, sir, as we look at the calendar, it is july 31st uh, Friday afternoon as we record uh, we've got uh, We've had four or five days of sultry summer here, and now we're going to be changing over to maybe a little bit uh, milder weather in the next couple of days, but we've got a tropical storm going to be churning up the coast, so that's going to you know, caused a little bit of ruckus, but, uh, otherwise, uh, I can't complain. It's been a, a, a nice sunny summer. I got a chance to get out a lot and, uh, enjoyed it and, uh, hopefully we'll continue to be able to do so anyway. Yeah. So how uh, we connected, I guess, through mu- mutual friends. Uh, I want to say, uh, Tanner Rutledge and John Nardese. Right. And, uh, so it was good that we talked and I said, definitely wanted to have you on the, the podcast. I think my listeners would really appreciate about your uh, journey, how you got into the business and, you know, some of the twists and turns and uh, milestones and setbacks. And of course, you know, it's a business. So let's just kind of keep that in mind as we, we move through the, your story.
1: Right. Um, so I guess we'll just start at the beginning. Um, I, uh, I had another career before I became a private investigator, and that was um, a real estate appraiser. Okay. Uh, I appraised commercial real estate um, across the country for about 25 years. Um, I reached a point in that career where I realized I was uh, getting burned out, being maybe a little bit lazy in the work um, and not really paying attention to the detail the way that I should. And started kind of considering making a change in career. So, I I had an attorney friend that asked me to. um, He knew I was a real estate appraiser and he knew that I spent a lot of time in courthouses doing research. And he said, You know, I've got this this case I'm working on. There's a guy who's filed for bankruptcy. We think he's divested himself of a bunch of property. Do you think you could help us out? And I I did a little bit of research, um, spent, I don't know, about a week's worth of time traveling to. 16 of the 95 counties here in Tennessee, uh, digging through dusty court records, the old school style of, Mm -hmm. you know, thumbing through volumes upon volumes of books, uh, and was able to identify, um, 36 pieces of property that this guy had sold, um, prior to filing for bankruptcy. Um, and they had done a really good job of, Kind of hiding the transactions and using a bunch of different companies to do the business. But I noticed in my research that the same notary public had notarized every one of the documents. Mm. So I went back to the attorney and said, Hey, you might want to subpoena this person. Uh, and it kind of, it, not only did it help his case out a great deal, but um, I think the guy ended up getting in trouble for um, bankruptcy fraud, um, trying to hide assets and keep them out of that process. Um, so the attorney said, you know, you really ought to become a private investigator. And I kind of laughed and I thought about it and I laughed and I thought about it some more. And I thought, you know, I'm going to check into that. Uh, I did some research, did a list of literally sat down, you know, we're talking about business process. I sat down and, and made a list of strengths and weaknesses, um, you know, did a, a very candid assessment of my skill set uh, and figured out the, the real estate appraisal business and private investigations have a whole lot in common, uh, in that there's massive amounts of research. There's reaching out to strangers, asking them questions that they may not want to tell you the answers to, uh, trying to tickle information out of people, um, and using only charm and good looks because you don't have a badge or any sort of authority to make people talk to you. Um, and i Filled out the paperwork, went through the process, took the tests, got my PI license here in Tennessee, got my company license here in Tennessee and, um, hung out my shingle and realized I didn't have a single clue what I was doing mm-hmm. in the PI business. Um, so I called a friend of mine. Um, well, she's a friend now. She was referred to me through a, an attorney client and, um, she's a private investigator here in middle Tennessee. I contacted her uh, offered to work for her for free um and this is when i was i don't know 38 years old so i was you know mid-career fairly well employed um i was able to offer to work for free for her for a little bit uh, if she would train me in the ways of um the dark arts of the private investigator trade <laughs> and um she she did she was she and she is a a, a fantastic friend to this day. Um, and I consider her a mentor. Um, and she taught me surveillance. She taught me kind of, kind of the the ins and outs of the uh, infidelity side of the PI work. Um, so I did that for a couple of years and really enjoyed it. I, you know, I'm, I'm just like any other private investigator in the world out there. We love our toys. We love our gadgets. Um, and you know, I, I've invested in some really fun toys for surveillance. Um, And, but I still kept on doing some kind of real estate related research and some fraud related research. Um, And that's where the bulk of my money came from. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I want to say maybe 10 years ago, um, another private investigator here in town that is, is a good friend of mine uh, called me and asked if I would help them locate a witness in a criminal case. And I had never done any criminal defense work. And I said, sure, I'll be glad to help out if I can. Um, There was a, this was a case out in Amarillo, Texas. Uh, There was a local PI out there that had been looking for this one witness for about six years. Um, This is an appeals case. Uh, The young lady um, that we were working for, the defendant, um, was convicted of capital murder. She is on death row in Texas. Um, Anyway, long story short. Uh, this other PI had been looking for the witness for about six years, had absolutely no joy but build the ever-loving snot out of it to be a <laughs> law firm. Um, I got some very basic information, interviewed one person there in Amarillo who you know, just gave me kind of an idea of where this guy might possibly be. Um, realized that there's a good chance he was over in uh, northeast New Mexico in the Sangre de Cristo Mountains somewhere. Uh, went to my real estate appraiser background and started calling county tax assessors on the phone and asking them, cause some of these Northeastern, um, New Mexico counties are pretty, uh, rural late to the game as far as technology is concerned. Right. Um, so you couldn't at the time go online and search the, the records in some of these counties. So I was on the phone and within about 30 minutes had identified uh, a piece of property that this guy owns verified with the tax assessor that he was in fact living there, had a copy of the tax map, directions to the house, aerial photo, the whole thing. Um, I called my friend and she said, do you mind to go out and interview him? I said, sure. So I was on the plane the next day, um, walked up to the house, introduced myself to him, got an interview, got an affidavit from him. Uh, The lawyers were absolutely tickled. I I had this kind of proud feeling that I hadn't had in a long time professionally. Mm. Um, and it, it just kind of, that's where I kind of settled into my groove as a private investor. Um, and the law firm that we were working for on that case asked me to stick around in Amarillo for, um, two months at a time for the next, I don't know, year and a half or so, uh, and work on this case. And I did, and just fell in love with criminal defense work. Um, and that is kind of where I am today. Um, I do primarily criminal defense. I do a lot of work in Texas. Uh, I do a decent amount of work here in Tennessee. Um, I have done some work over the years for the Federal Defender's Office, so they kind of take you all around the country on their cases. Um, and it's just been a really fun, um, fun experience for me. I love the work.
0: Mm. Uh, a solo practitioner?
1: Totally. Uh, I, have, um, I have hired some young people along the way um, and trained them up. Uh, in different aspects of the investigative game, but, um, I don't, I, I'm not the world's best business manager. Um, so, uh, I, I haven't got anybody working with me right now. Um, but I've trained, I don't know, one, two, three, four, um, young female investigators over the years. And, uh, one of those is now working at a public defender's office down South of here. Um, one went to work for Crowell and Associates in their Nashville office, which is kind of their VIP client office. Um, they've gone on to, to bigger and better things. Uh, so nice. Yeah. Sole practitioner.
0: Yeah, no, I, I understand. And it's a, it's and sometimes it's uh, by design. Sometimes it's by understanding what your strengths are. And oh. you know, that is your strength. It's interesting, you know, the way that you you started out and I can say many similar things myself but it but it came at re- realizing that uh if you'd stayed in your earlier career um it might have been comfortable and it might have paid the bills, but uh Hal would have just been bored to tears and uh when you said lazy and burned out, I understand that um uh, i can un- i see that sometimes uh you know with uh, people that are retiring from their careers right and then uh they've they've had it, they're done. Uh they put their time in. And now uh they want to say, well, you know, I'm going to turn my skill sets into becoming a private investigator. But the mindset, the energy, the you know, the, the things that need to be done to to do all that is that uh is many times the reason why after two years, you know, when their license is not is about to has to be renewed, or one year when their license is renewed, they don't. And that's because they decide
1: they're done with the business.
0: Yeah, exactly. And, and, and it's because of the business, and it's also because of the amount of energy that's needed for it. So I know that uh, sometimes I use this as a marketing spiel is that sometimes when, I t- when I'm compared to retired uh, law enforcement, I say, well, you got to understand that they're, get- they're getting a pension. Yeah. And that's where their bread and butter is. And also, there's five letters in that word: retired. And they are tired. T i r e d. They've yeah. already done their thing. They've already, you know, won the wars. They've already, you know, fought the good battles. And unless you know, some of them can come out and and feel like it's a new lease on life. God love them. I'm happy for them. Good people. But you know, for the most part, what you're seeing is guys that are and gals that are just basically uh, hanging out of shingles so that they can uh, make enough money to, to get their greens fees or to get on their vacation plans buffed up, you know, from yeah from business or from coach to uh, first class. And I'm not—it's not an indictment, but it's just simply a, a mindset of—is uh, it really uh, taking the profession seriously, or is it just a uh, uh, after afterthought? And uh, I agree with you.
1: Yeah, and the the interesting thing I find, and, and, you know, um, with my business partner, Jim McLeod, I run um, Pursuit Magazine and PI Education, and we we cater to a lot of private investigators across the country, and a a goodly portion of those people are retired law enforcement. Um, And I have a great deal of respect for um, the people that did that job. Um, I have no animus towards law enforcement, even to this day, having worked on the criminal defense side for years. I think they're doing, you know, By and large, uh, the police are doing the absolute best they can and trying to do the right thing and get the right outcome. Mm -hmm. Um, but there's a, there's a, there's a mindset that if you work for a company, um, a municipality or any other government entity, um, you have specific times that you are accountable to do the work and then you have time off and then you have vacation time and you have, you know, days off that are paid and all this business. When you run your own business, um, you don't have those things. You have to get up and, and kind of hump it every day. Mm -hmm. And if there's, if there, if you're going to take a vacation and I've, I've taken some pretty generous vacations in the past, you know, 15 years. Um, but if you're going to take a vacation, what you have to realize is not only are you spending the money for that vacation, um you know the airfare, the hotels, the food, and all that business, but also you're not making money while you're there, so you've got to kind of double stack money for that vacation and it's difficult to plan for those things um and if you're used to coming you know punching a clock, so to speak um and having benefits and all those things, that could be a real deal killer for a lot of people, and that's where the energy comes in that's where the 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 um the focused energy of staying on track and staying. You know, you've got to spend a good bit of time working on your business, not just in your business.
0: And words that, <laughs> you know, you're uh, you're preaching to the choir. Amen, brother. And, uh, and as I lamented with you earlier, is that I was tired late this Friday afternoon because I'm going on vacation next week, which means, of course, I had to get everything done. End of month stuff. Right. You know, it is the end of the month. I had to get all the tax stuff done. Get all the bills out the door. Get all the uh, receivables paid. Get all the assignments out to my people. Make sure that they, you know, know what they had to do. Work on. And of course, today, as it always is, the day before I go on vacation, people crawl out of the woodwork. They want something from me, or they're going to throw an obstacle in my way to keep me from doing something I need to get done, or uh, they're going to give me brand new work. Imagine that—the the audacity of calling me up the day before I go on vacation and saying. Uh I need you to take care of something for me. And of course I'm laughing I'm joking but right back in the the government world uh back in the law enforcement world it's
1: like oh that'll wait. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm going on vacation in 4 hours. Sorry. You know. And you know we were also talking earlier you know neither one of us are young men. No. Um and one of the things you start to figure out when you when you pass the the kind of 50 year um marker uh is that you know, Friday afternoons, Fridays, I, I personally consider Friday the weekend. I try not to answer the phone on Fridays. Uh-huh. But you have, you have to make the decision, I'm not going to respond to emails or phone calls on these three days or these two days or whatever. Uh-huh. Um, and, and I'm telling you, I, coming from the real estate appraisal world, one of the things that hit me when I was doing that work um, was, you know, we, we would have a team of people working on a project. Um, multi-million dollar projects. Um, and we would be working until two, three, four o'clock in the morning, five days in a row towards the end of the month, trying to get a thing done. And I I just thought, man, are we really dealing with a real estate-based emergency? Wow. Um, so you know, that's one of the things that kind of drove me out of that business. Um, and I still have a foot in that door. I still have some work in that in that arena. But at the end of the day, um, you know, if you're doing private investigations work. There are some times when a thing has to be done right now. Mm -hmm. Um, And you've just just got to decide, you know, there are certain days that I'm just not going to do those things um, and let your clients know those. And and I think you'll find, um, and most of your listeners will find that clients, once you tell them what your policy is and what you do, a couple of times for them trying to breach that, uh, they'll figure it out and they respect it.
0: Yes. And quite frankly, uh, they see you as being a professional akin to their professionalism. Absolutely, and I think that's that's huge. Quite frankly, uh, I know that uh, you talked earlier about uh, that finding that fellow uh, by doing the, the old grantor-grantee and call, <laughs> and calling the uh, county assessors up and and trying to use a little bit of charm. Uh, and I and when you did give the client what they needed after. Uh, the other private investigator just built a heck out of the file and and didn't mm-hmm. get them any results. Um, I I saw it as like pulling a rabbit out of the hat or hitting a home run and and there's such a sense of feeling of accomplishment, especially you're talking about a capital case here.
1: You yeah. know,
0: it, it, yeah, our cases are different. Our you know all of our cases as investigators are different, but you know I think that the, the that when you're gravitating towards um, the who done it's as i did you know criminal defense there's a lot riding on it and it's uh sure you know in in civil work there's a lot riding on million dollar billion dollar cases i mean it's what the stuff that grisham novels are made out of but uh i think there's a lot to be said about whether or not uh jimmy bob spends the next 50 years in jail or he uh is acquitted because you found the evidence of uh that well uh, of someone else actually doing it or uncovering enough reasonable doubt that uh, a jury or a prosecutor decided not to uh, go forward with the case or, or they get a uh, not guilty finding. And I think there's a lot of gratification, a lot of satisfaction in doing that. And are we going to be rich doing that? You know, so, No. No. We're, 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 we're making business decisions too that uh, we want to keep the lights on. We want to pay the bills. We want to have a lifestyle that allows us to to have the occasional Friday off, but we also want to work on gratifying work, things that uh, float our boat, so to speak, right. and things that make us uh, want to get up in the morning, go out and work. I mean, I think you were saying you know, in so many words that the real estate appraisal business wasn't doing that for you anymore. That wasn't giving you the spark to light your uh, furnace to get you going in the day. And now you have a career that is... Doing that, and as you said, you've passed the fifty marker. It still does, and that's important. That's huge. How many people do you know in our in our age set that are just counting the days? You know, counting the days to retirement. I, I see that uh, calendar on their wall with the big X's going through every single day. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And it, you know, it, I, I know it's figurative, but you can you can feel it in your conversations with them that uh, they're just waiting.
1: You know, and it's yeah, and that's, I I think that's a, I find that to be sad. I think um, if you're, man, here's, here's, here's the thing, um, John, we've, we've got today, we've got this moment, and that's pretty much it. Yesterday's gone. Tomorrow may not get here. Uh, And if you're living and working every day, thinking about tomorrow, 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 and this whatever is going to come down the pike, I think that's a bad way to live. I, I think um, you, you spend the time here and now doing the things that, you know, that need to be done. I'm not saying don't think and consider the future, but right. good Lord, be here. Yeah, I know. Anticipatory,
0: anticipatory thought is, actually makes the next event more valuable in your mind. I mean, like this yeah. vacation I was talking about, wife and I, my daughter, we were talking about it. And we were talking about the things that uh, we were going to do on this vacation. So it's, it's making it more exciting, you know, in, yeah. in that what we're going to do. On the other hand, like you're saying, the, the person that says, well, I'll be happy when I X, I'll be happier <laughs> when this happens. No, no. You know, your happiness is right now in this moment and it's yeah. right here, here and now. And if you're not, you have to ask yourself why, what's, what's going on in the present that is, is, is something that is 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 it the way you're looking at the situation or is it the way um the situation is and that you and you're not really understanding the true sense of what the situation is? I mean, I know it's getting a little zen there, but quite frankly, uh yeah, I mean, here I am still, you know, sixty-five and a half, just enjoying the hell out of myself with yeah. the things that I'm doing, getting out of bed in the morning, wanting to do what I do. Now, I'm not slugging out to the, the bad neighborhoods late at <laughs> night or on the weekends like I used to. I'm writing. uh, I'm writing fiction. I'm writing nonfiction. I'm coaching. I'm talking to investigators like yourself on podcasts, and I'm having a blast. I'm I'm just enjoying myself immensely. And I asked myself uh, several years ago, what did Johnny want to do when he grew up? And this was the decision that I made. So I agree with you. I mean, there's a lot of people that can look at what they do every day and decide whether they're going to put their best effort into it or if they're just going to half-ass it, you know? And I think that you made a, a wise decision so many years ago to become the accidental PI soda sort of, sort of <laughs> and uh, and you uh, have made a nice uh, lifestyle business out of it. Now, you talked about your business partner, Pursuit Magazine. Talk uh-huh. about these things a little bit more because I think that's where we want to kind of go next with the uh, with the podcast.
1: Yeah, happy to. I do want I want to go back to the just real quickly, if it's okay, back to the work of, of criminal defense investigations, because mm-hmm. it's, it's the place where I find myself getting really inspired with the work. Um, there, there are a couple of things. Number one, you know, when you're, when you've got a client who's facing 50 years in the joint, um, you know, you can, you know, absolute best case scenario for a defense team is an acquittal. We all understand, but there are also, there, there are some really positive feelings and, and proud feelings. When you get a 10-year sentence with possibility of parole in, in seven, as opposed to life sentence, because it's a more appropriate sentence. So I think a lot of people um, think about criminal defense and they think, how do you work for those people? How can you possibly do that? Here's the thing. We're not, we're not I don't really even care if the person did or did not do a thing. If they didn't, I'm, I'm obviously going to fight really hard to prove that. But I'm looking for the best outcome for the client, and I'm looking, you know, to help the attorneys reach that goal. Um, and if you can keep the system in check, and it's difficult because the state has all of the resources. They've got crime labs, you know, police officers, DA investigators, any number of attorneys on each case. You know, the defense may have an attorney and possibly an investigator and in, the court may allow them to hire a couple experts, but if you can get a positive outcome for your client, you've done a good job, and it's, it's, it's overwhelmingly gratifying to do that. The other thing is that, that, that work, by and large, is not the highest paid work in the PI profession. There's, there are other avenues where you can earn more money, so you've got to balance that passion and feeling of accomplishment and helping other people with paying the damn bills
0: Mm -hmm. no and 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 to your point Mm now there's a business lesson there as well and that's what you were you were hitting on uncovering reasonable doubt in a a criminal defense case is doing a a thorough neutral investigation into the facts surrounding uh, the matter and how that information gets uncovered and transmitted to your attorney uh is going to determine many times, you know, the outcome of his cl- or her, her client's fate, you know, the defendant's fate. Right. And yeah, I think you're right that there's a there's a a real uh, value to providing uh, the information that allows not necessarily maybe motion to dismiss or acquittal, but like you said, a very strong argument for a lesser a lesser uh, sentence. A lot of yeah. times, it's not uncommon to see, um, you know, police overcharging and overzealous prosecutors, and it's and we have to be in that checks and balance of let's let's find out what really happened here. Let's find out what's the appropriate measure in this case. Yeah. I, I was just telling uh, someone yesterday that uh, I've worked a lot of court-appointed cases uh, over the last fifteen years, and they were paying probably about between 20 and 25% of my normal rate. Right. And well, I'm not getting a 20 to 25% discount on my mortgage or on my light bill or on my (laughs) car payment. So what I had to find was that I had to make a business decision on those court appointed cases to pick and choose the ones I wanted to work on and where and what uh, geographic location I wanted to work on them in because in the state of Connecticut, I can either work those in the adjoining zip code or I can go an hour and a half, you know, far away. So of course I kind of decided that, you know, if I'm going to work those, they're going to be, you know, near where I reside. But anyway, um, the point being is that I, I, uh, I gave, uh, 40 hours a quarter. Or 160 hours a year, four times 40, 160, which was about 10% of my billable hours throughout the mm-hmm. course of a year. Seventeen hundred and sixty billable hours, 160. Yeah, it's about 10%. And to me, I was telling my friend that it was like this was like a tithe, that this was my yeah. giving back, that I could spend a little bit of time, you know, 10% of my time, where it mattered greatly for the for the client. And It also gave me a sense that I was also giving back and and helping keep uh, doing my part to keep the criminal justice system trying to make it more you know balanced. You know, obviously, you know um, the criminal defense attorney and their and their uh, investigator is Don Quixote and Sancho tilting at the windmill. (laughs) But uh, we are, you know, and I'm not afraid to say it. You know, when uh, I, I, I tell you, and you probably have experienced, there is no greater rush and i mean rush after you've put your heart and soul into a criminal trial and hear the gavel bang and hear the words not guilty
1: oh it's fantastic
0: oh you just can't you can't put those two words you know into a context of what it means the, the thinking of oh my god what did i do did i do that right did i handle that right did i, I cut that corner did we did we have the right theory of defense? Oh, geez, we should have done better on this. Oh, yeah. we could have done, oh, my, oh, my, oh, my. Oh, that that prosecutor is really given a good cross, I mean, a, and a good uh, summation. Oh, geez, geez. And then all of a sudden you hear those words, not guilty, and it's like a whoosh. And yeah. uh, you can't explain it. I I had my very first one on a murder case, and it was on a courthouse in New Haven, Connecticut. And I don't remember walking across the town green i think my legs kind of had me floating across the town green for the next yeah. you know 10 minutes because i was just such an elated state but yeah to your point definitely so um but we digressed and i'm happy that we did <laughs> um take take me now back into uh what you're doing with your partner with uh, pursuit magazine and your other education
1: items yeah, so um, Jim McLeod uh, is my business partner in um, a company called Storyboard EMP, which is Education Media Partners. Um, Storyboard owns Pursuit Magazine and PI Education. And um, we, I had taken some courses from PI Education uh, years and years ago, um, had gotten to know the owner a little bit and thought that there was room to grow that business and also room to take the model into other professions. So, um, we approached, uh, the former owner of PI education and offered to buy it from him and did that. And we have been, uh, slogging away in the, uh, PI education space for, for several years. Uh, pursuit magazine is an online magazine for private investigators and, um, it's totally free available to anyone who happens to uh, stumble onto it. Um, we do not, we have not, uh, for the past several years sold any advertising in pursuit magazine. It's a total lost leader for us, uh, but it's a way for us to identify content, um, providers, people in the PI business that are really smart and really good and articulate and can put together, uh, education courses. Um, and it, is a, it has allowed us to kind of be out in front of um, the PI community with with information and tips and tricks and those kind of things. And um, Pursuit Magazine has been a really gratifying thing for me. Uh, my wife, Kim Green, is the editor of the magazine. She used to write for um, public radio and several magazines, New York Times, newspapers, that kind of thing. So she's got the skills. Um, and she has been putting kind of her heart and soul into making pursuit magazine as good as it can possibly be. And I think it's a really fantastic product right now. Um, the only other publication out there, uh, that is similar to, uh, pursuit magazine is, um, PI magazine. Mm-hmm. And, um, I know those folks over there, they are fantastic folks and I love the magazine and I support them 100%. Um, Ours is online. Theirs is a, a paper copy book that gets mailed out to you. Um, so I don't think we really compete with each other. We just both approach it from a different way. Um, but that's kind of Pursuit Magazine. And if any private investigators out there want to go, it's pursuitmag.com. Um, and like I said, it's totally free. Um, we update you know, at least once, twice, sometimes three or four times a week you know, with new content. And you know, we've got a, a wealth of articles on everything from criminal defense to surveillance to insurance investigations to elder fraud uh, and abuse investigations you just pretty much anything you can think of in the pi um, spectrum will have something there for you nice
0: and and how about on the business side of the of the pi business i i don't i'm not a everyday uh, viewer of it but uh, you had a great uh, you had a great uh, client, no, great writer on Rachelle Davis yes. a little while ago, and I read her article, and I called her up and said, you got to come on my podcast.
1: Uh-huh. She's great, isn't she? She is.
0: She's fantastic. But how about on the business side of the business? Do you have the occasional uh, writer write in on, uh, on the business of our, of our profession?
1: We absolutely do. Um, okay. uh, we, we have, uh, I'm just going to pull up the uh,
0: magazine. Dun, 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 dun,
1: dun. Let's see. So across <laughs> the top, we have, we have, we have little drop down, um, uh, toolbars. And the first one is called the business. And we talk about investigation, security, bail enforcement, you know, service process, skip tracing. We've got one called The Life where we talk about just kind of lifestyle things that private investigators deal with. Mm-hmm. And then the, the Pitch is where we deal with social media, marketing, branding, content marketing, old school, you know, just getting your business running and up and running that kind of business. Yep. Um, and then we've got a thing we call The Repository, which is continuing education, state laws, search engines, that kind of thing. Um, so there are a lot of resources there on Pursuit Magazine about how to... Actually, run a business, um, and how to uh, make sure that you uh, not only can help somebody in a really tough spot, but pay your bills at the same time.
0: Yeah, and my favorite uh, tagline for that is "How to Survive and Thrive."
1: Yeah, yeah, no Definitely. doubt.
0: That's great. I mean, I'm so happy that you you mentioned that. At the time to take me through a little bit of the uh, of the uh, toolbar, the nav bar there, because. It's a great resource. And I wanted to make sure that we covered that during the podcast today. And that's part of your giving back as well. I mean, this is something that, and you learn too. Gosh, we both learn from what we do. I learn from my podcast. You learn from, uh, Pursuit Magazine. I mean, just think of, you know, how much more, our, how much more fuller our careers have been because, of uh, we're taking the time to do that sort of thing. So if you want to yeah. talk about your side of it, please go ahead.
1: Yeah. So yeah, I learn, um, so much from the people that write for pursuit magazine um and i have i've gained not only business contacts but some really close personal friends over the years through pursuit magazine and that interaction um brian willingham i know you've had him on your show before brian Brian and i met through pursuit magazine and brian's blog um we actually the first time brian willingham and i met was in madrid spain (laughs) Um, He was over there for a couple of months with his family. I was over there for a couple of months with my wife. And we realized we were both in Spain and decided we would just meet in Madrid. And that was the first time we'd ever met face to face. But um, that friendship has meant a lot to me over the years. Kelly Riddle out in Texas, same thing. We met through kind of my work with Pursuit Magazine. And Kelly is just one of the finest human beings I've ever met. So that's been really beneficial to me is kind of the contacts that we've made. the other thing is, you know, Pursuit Magazine is, at the end of the day, um, it is—it's the front door for PI education. It's the way we get people in—in in the door. Um, we give a lot of free content away in Pursuit Magazine, but there's always going to be a PI education ad on the side. And occasionally, we will in our content say, "Hey, there's a sale over at PI Education. Come check that out." Mm-hmm. Um, because at the end of the day p i education is where we make money it's It's the only place we actually make money um in in that in the p i education space and um it you know p i education has been an incredibly fun business to run um and to operate, and you know we inherited a bunch of content and a bunch of courses uh, and we have you know we're still to this day almost ten years later. Um, going through and updating some of the older courses, but we've got some really fantastic new courses on there, right? And um, I'm excited about it. I think this next couple of years are going to be really fun with PI education.
0: And uh, if you could just talk about some of the courses, just to wet the whistle of uh, some of the listeners who might want to uh, to go over there and also give, oh, at the end, you can do the plug, but just tell me some of the uh, course materials now so that uh, we can
1: uh, salivate. Yeah, sure. Um, so if you go to PI education, it's, it's PI Um, there are a number of courses in the course catalog. We've got one from, uh, everybody's favorite death guy. Um, Dean beers It's sure. called equivocal death investigations. It's a six hour course. Um, we've got a course that my wife wrote on, uh, elements of effective communication that I think is It's a great course. I've I've taken it and I enjoyed it, but I think it's an incredibly useful course for private investigators because a lot of times we don't think about how to communicate clearly to our clients. Um, You know, we've got ethics courses um, because most states that require continuing education require some amount of ethics. We've got ethics courses for those things. Um, Insurance investigations, identity theft, skip tracing, surveillance, you know, again, it kind of covers a whole gamut of the PI world. Um, we have just this year started doing live online classrooms. Um, and there are two reasons for that. One is we've been thinking about it for a while. Uh, we have a learning management system that allows us to present classes live and and in real time and meet all of the criteria for online education. Um, number two, with the COVID-19 situation, um, Nobody is going to conferences this year. Uh It's just not happening. So instead of, you know, only offering the online classes that you take at your own pace and you, you know, you go through and read and take tests and do that thing and watch the videos. We, we, we're offering a live interactive classroom setting. And what it does is we limit it to 25 people. And. You know, we just, uh, Tuesday and Wednesday of this week presented, um, uh, criminal defense investigations, Nice. Uh, a seven hour course on criminal defense. And it allows these 25 investigators from around the country who have never met. And many of them had never heard of each other to interact with me and with each other throughout the course of seven hours over two days. And, you know, at the end of that classroom, it, I'm not going to say it was the same as a conference because there's something special that happens at conferences. You can't get online, but it was similar. Um, there were you know, friendships forged, uh, introductions made. Um, and you know, I had some attorney clients of mine come on to talk to the class and there was one investigator who was, in the same city as one of my um, attorney clients that came on to talk, and turns out they were in the same office building, ah. and and I introduced them and, and told my attorney client, I said, "Hey, if if you can use this guy, use him. He's been in here asking questions. He's a sharp guy." So, the live classroom setting online, I've I'm I'm just kind of digging it.
0: Mm, no, and to your point, I'm sure that after you you finished it, you were a little jazzed too. I mean, it was a Nice feeling, exhilarating to know that you're able to impart information to people that actually want to listen. You know, uh, and 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 that the fact is that they're on a Zoom, uh, they're they're showing their live face. There, it means they're not playing with their phone. They're not uh, playing with their computer. They're paying attention because they want to learn the information. And I, I think both with PI Education and Pursuit Magazine, what you have done, Hal, is continue to raise the bar professionalism in our industry. And those are two things that are very, very important, uh, because let's face it, uh, sometimes uh, people in our profession and (laughs) and sometimes in those unlicensed states, you know, tend to uh, sometimes make it bad for, you know, a few of the bad apples tend to make it bad for all of us. Then we have uh, TV and the movies uh, tending to glamorize or vilify private investigators, and it put us into some you know, semi-thug or semi-criminal situation, and we're not by any stretch of the imagination. So the chance that we can do something to offset the stereotypes and some of our uh, the the rotten apples that you know make it difficult for all of us, we can continue to offset that by better education, better training, better opportunities to network and see how other private investigators go about their business professionally honestly ethically and make money doing it i yeah. think is uh is huge so uh i want to give you a big shout
1: out for that well that's kind of you and i appreciate that you know at the end of the day i came from a profession that required you know a certain style of dress and demeanor and communication skills so that kind of dealing with clients comes Pretty naturally for me. Um, I I will say that, you know, some of the folks that come from law enforcement have never had that experience. Um, they just have, they've had an, they've had a boss or a supervisor assign them tasks and they do those tasks. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and there's nothing in the world wrong with that. I, I, we, in our class this past week, one of my attorneys was on and I, I just told him, I said, look, you know, sometimes being a task monkey is a big relief. Um, not having to figure everything out. On own. Um, so I get it, but, um, dealing with clients and, and raising the bar of professionalism is one of the things that we try to do because like you said, there's some knuckleheads out there um, mm-hmm. and, and, and it's not just the PI industry. It's across every industry that I've ever been involved in the real estate appraisal business. You know, most of the folks that I've, that I've dealt with over the years have been absolutely consummate professionals. I found the same thing in the PI business, but there are some knuckleheads in both industries. Right. Um, and they, they do drag the whole group down. Mm -hmm. Um, and there, I, the bottom line is, I don't think there's any chance in hell that we're ever going to get away from the TV stereotype. It's just too sexy. Mm -hmm. Um, people love, I, I, I grew up watching Magnum PI. I grew up Mm -hmm. with my grandmother on, on Friday nights watching Rockford files. I mean, I get it. They're, they're fun to watch, but, the perception that the public has of us is not necessarily very. Right. We can educate ourselves, dress like adult human beings, <laughs> right. and, and, and speak like adult human beings and relatively well-educated human beings. I think we're going to do a lot better as a
0: Absolutely. I think uh, in Pursuit Magazine, day in and day out, does that? Yeah, you know, education gives the, the uh, uh, consumer of that education more tools to work with, but also a uh, deportment by which they go about their business. I think that only makes our profession better overall. So, Al, uh, uh, time has flown, as it always does during the interview. and We could probably go on for another hour, but uh, just how can people get in touch with you and uh, if they had any questions, and are there any other parting thoughts that you might have?
1: Um, no parting thoughts other than thank you so much for for having me on today. I've really enjoyed the chat. Um, and I've enjoyed the couple of chats we've had leading up to this, uh, and just happy to be here. Um, I I will say, you know, kind of the last thing I'd like to say is I am proud of this industry. Um, I am proud of the people that I know in this industry. Um, when I go to conferences and present, when I go to um Meetings of attorneys and present when I present online, and I see twenty-five investigators, three hundred investigators, or whatever, from around the country getting together to learn um, and meet other investigators, network, that kind of thing. That makes me proud because those are the people that are out there making our business better. Um, so that's that's the last thing I'd like to say. Uh, and finally, to get in touch with me. Honestly, the easiest thing is uh, hit me with an email, um, and that email address is hal, H-A-L, at storyboardemp.com, and I'll spell that uh, phonetic at the end, so it's S-T-O-R-Y-B-O-A-R-D, E as in echo, M as in Mike, P as in papa.com, and that's the best way to get it.
0: Hal, thank you so much for coming on. John Hoda, happy to be here. Thank you for listening. If you have any comments, please leave them on the website www.thepicoach.com. Our guest next week is David Housewright. David is the past president of the Private Eye Writers of America, and he won the prestigious Edgar Award from the Mystery Writers of America and has won three Minnesota Book Awards for his Rushmore, Mackenzie, and Holland Taylor private eye novels, as well as other tales of murder and mayhem in the Midwest. This was a fun interview, and I'm looking forward to it next week.
1: Thank you for listening. Make sure to check out our website, thepicoach.com, for more episodes, PI coaching services, books, and more. If you were either informed, inspired, or entertained by this conversation today, don't be bashful. Share this link with your friends. Better still, go to Apple Podcasts and leave a review. It's the best way to grow the circle around our campfire. If you have any questions, please reach out through our website, thepicoach.com. Thanks so much, and have a great day.